eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Hey, Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 146 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue. And Bridget, we had Scott, and then right before the episode began, he lost power. So we no longer have Scott. Yeah, so hopefully he can join us at some point. I, I feel like he's not dedicated enough to just call in and use his cell phone service, but he's worried about running out of power on his phone. But it's, I mean, it's almost 11 p.m. Who is he calling at this hour? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a player's coach, so I'm not going to go to the media and and, and bash him. But um, <laughs> I <you> am. <laughs> yeah, you're going with the, you're going with the Cassidy approach there. So yeah, uh, I think every like a lot of people lost power, and Scott lives in Lowell, so like I think that area got hit pretty bad, um, losing power and crazy crazy weather. Yeah, it's been insane today. Um, all weather's been all over the place. Um, Bruins uh, have won two games since we last spoke. Uh, they beat the Jets 3-2 at the Garden, and then they beat the Devils 4-3 in New Jersey in a back-to-back situation. Two wins over two quality opponents. They took a 3-2 win over Winnipeg, and then they traveled They traveled that last night um, to New Jersey, which was kind of a weird schedule situation for them where they are coming off a home game flying to – New Jersey. Luckily, they they got Swayman. Um, they got a good performance from Swayman in the first of the back to back. Then they're able to not have a tired goalie and start Allmark in the second game of the back to back against New Jersey. But there were points in 
tonight's game where you could tell it was a tired team um, and, and that they were dealing with some of the effects of traveling and um, it being, you know, six periods of hockey in such a short amount of time. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a, uh, we talked about it recently, but this is a tough, this is a tough stretch for them. Um, you know, I, I know Scott mentioned online that this is kind of a scheduled loss or it, it appears to be when you have to go to New Jersey. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like they traveled far, you know, Boston to Jersey is like a 45 minute flight, but nonetheless, you, you have a, you get out of the rink light last night after beating the jets in a, in a really competitive game. Um, as I mentioned, two quality opponents, the, the jets are, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the better teams in the Western conference and you go to play New Jersey and you know, the devils have had this game circled on their, on their calendar for a while now. Um, for, for about a month and a half, it was neck and neck between the Bruins and devils. Bruins have pulled away the last few weeks here, but the Bruins are getting everybody's best. And I thought, in, I thought in the jets game, you go down to nothing and we've talked about their slow starts over the last week and a half or so, despite coming up with a lot of uh, wins and sometimes when things are going well, it just takes a lucky bounce here. And, and that's exactly what happened with the passion that goal uh, in the Jets game. Felino dumps the puck in, goes off a stanchion right to passion two to one. Next thing you know, Bruins tie the game on a power play. And then uh, Nick Felino scores in the third period and the Bruins, they win that game. And they, they improved to 18 and two on home ice, which is just, it's just insane. The success they've had at home, Bridget. Yeah, it is. And, and that <laughs> watching that live, the, the Pasternak goal it was like, it was pretty much an empty net goal. Um, and then we were able to talk to Swayman a little bit about it. Like how he, I asked him how he would have handled it. Does he know the boards like back there because it's his home rink and would he have played it the same way? And he's like, well, you can't, you can't assume it's going to ever going to take a weird bounce like that. But he said that on a hard wraparound, he wouldn't play the puck in the boards in that area. Um, so yeah, it just ends up being, what the Bruins needed for a little bit of a spark and it's an easy goal. It's a lucky bounce, but you know, you get some that go your way throughout the season. You get some that go against you. Um, and so, so yeah, that game was, that game was started out slow and Winnipeg had coach coach said after the game, Winnipeg had probably the strongest um, for checking and pressure that the Bruins had faced all season. And when I asked Felino about it after the game too, he, he agreed. And he thought that it was, they, they were forcing them to make moves with a puck quickly to, you know, make quicker decisions. And they were really putting a lot of pressure. And he did also mention that, yeah, we got their best effort because we're the top team in the league. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's it's apparent too when you see the Bruins play. It's just like even in stretches where they don't play their best, you just you just notice the Bruins just have the depth that other teams just don't have. And you know, like the Jets come into town and they have some really really high end players. Um, you have Mark Shifley, you have um, Dubois, you have Kyle Connor, um, Morrissey on the back end. You know they have they have players, but you just they just can't they just can't match the depth that Boston has, and and that's kind of been the story this year is the Bruins can get away with with um, some lackluster efforts because they have they just have they can roll four lines, they can roll three deep pairs and and two goalies, and um, it's just look 
over an 82-game schedule, they're not all going to be pretty. They're not all going to be perfect. But uh, the fact that they're where they are, 27-4-2, and two, is just – it's it's incredible. It's a very difficult league to win in. And you know, to have 27 wins in whatever it's been, 30, 32, 33 games this year is uh, – it's insane. It's insane. I don't know if you have any um, specific takeaways from that Jets game – yeah, so just one more thing before we move on to the New Jersey game was just because uh, the only difference in the lineup from one game to another was Swayman played the first game, not the second game, and Smith was in the first game of the back-to-back, and Greer took over in New Jersey. But I wanted to talk about Swayman before we turn the page. Um, and he, the Bruins had a really slow start, gave up the first two goals, bad first period. Um but Swayman did make some really important saves to keep him in the game. I I mean, Swayman still doesn't look as good as Allmark because Allmark just looks incredible every time he's on the ice. Um, but he did make a lot of really important saves. And when I asked Montgomery after the game, uh, you know, were, did you get what you needed from Swayman tonight? He said, absolutely. Um, and some of the saves – turned right back around and, and led to some of those Bruins goals. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to have the, to have Swayman playing, um, playing strong is very important. I mean, as good as Allmark has been, you don't want to have one guy carry the load. It's just not the way that the NHL is anymore. Um, you you want to have maybe not a 50, 50 split, but you want to have the, the option to do that. Right. And, and they definitely can do that with, uh, with Swayman who, who seems to be playing, better um as of late and, and a little bit more back to what we're accustomed to seeing out of him yeah and um, you're probably gonna have to see in the next now we're gonna go three three days off for christmas eve christmas and um the 26th and then they're on to another back-to-back on the road where they go south to to new jersey just to go back north to ottawa and i assume we'll probably see both goalies on that trip as well yeah, and it's it's uh it, there's been a lot of home games this year for the Bruins. I think they've yeah well yeah they played twenty home games this year. Well, um, before before today they were on a five game homestand. I know, I know. So so it's so twenty out of their first whatever thirty three games or whatever it's been has, have been home games. So it's definitely been a, a favorable schedule for the Bruins in that sense. Not a lot of travel, but here we go. Now they're going to start traveling, and and um, it starts with this funky road trip like we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. I don't understand why the NHL scheduled it like this um the Bruins traveled to New Jersey for December 23rd game which was tonight and then then you have the holiday right so are they gonna spend they're gonna they're gonna come home they're gonna come home for Christmas you would imagine right spend with Christmas with with the family Christmas with the family yeah they they are yeah so they're in New Jersey and they're not able to fly the night before to Ottawa I was I was hearing what the Nesson broadcast was saying, and they're not able to fly until the 27th in the morning of the 27th. So, yeah. So it's just stupid. It's like you, you have, you fly to Jersey for a game, then you fly back to Boston, then you go to Ottawa, like you mentioned, and then back to New Jersey. Meanwhile, New Jersey, just, they get to stay home. New Jersey, you know who New Jersey's next game is against? The Bruins. The Bruins. <laughs> it's like at home. So they just played back. And I think they were coming into tonight's game on it, like with three games off previously. So they came in in such a good position 
to win considering all those circumstances and the Bruins were able to, I mean, at one point in time, the Bruins were leading four to one and it looked like they were going to walk away with it, but things get interesting at the end, but still you, you expect to get points out of this game if, if you're the devils and um, it just makes it all the more impressive that the Bruins were able to um, clean things up in the second period. And I guess at the very end, hold on to things. Um, it was really what the last five minutes or so maybe a little bit longer that it really started to look shaky but um middle period they had a great period they, they tend to not have the best first periods but then that middle period's really strong yeah no the, it's the third period's been there been their bread and butter this year but uh but tonight it was the second period and uh it, it's just a it's a testament to how good of a team they are right like if if, if um if the roles were reversed and the Bruins are at home and we knew that a team was coming into the garden, uh, having just played the night before. You would you would expect you would expect the Bruins to win. Um, it's a lot to ask for a team to come in on the road on a back to back with travel and, and and put their best foot forward. But the Bruins just keep being the anomaly this year. And um, you know there may be those out there who aren't satisfied with regular season success because they just want the Bruins to win in the postseason. But it's like. It, look, we can't guarantee that this is all going to translate to the postseason, but um, nothing I've seen from this team tells me that they aren't going to be a strong postseason team as well. So it's all just there's a lot of intangibles that this team does that stand out to me. Like they they rise to occasions where most teams would lose situationally, like tonight, second of a back to back with travel. Um, they always tend to to rebound strong after a, a rare loss. Within games, the Bruins seem to when they're scored against, they always seem to respond in game two. So they're they're resilient and um, and yeah, this 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 is a true test. I remember Scott saying earlier this month we we're looking ahead to this this um, three game stretch around the holidays because at the time New Jersey was in the middle of their thirteen game win streak and the Bruins, um, you know, they've been consistently winning all year and it was looking like a like a collision course at the end of the month. And and Scott was mentioning how. Um, it was annoying that the Bruins have to play New Jersey both times on a back-to-back and New Jersey just gets to rest. And so, like you mentioned, Bridget, it's, it was set up for New Jersey to, to succeed. And the Bruins just keep um, not getting the message, I guess, because, because yeah, slow start, slow third, but that second period was just, you know, pretty dominant for the Bruins and they scored their goals in many different ways. Yeah, and, and Pasternak gets two more. It starts with Bergeron, which, by the way, Bergeron missed part of the first period, and it was like, okay, I wonder what, what's going on with that. But he only missed one or two shifts, came back on the ice for the um, – I think it was a power play. No, it wasn't. But he he came back on the ice in the first period and then played the rest of the game, um, and he ends up getting that first goal for the Bruins to tie it at 1-1. And then the next two were Pasternak and 23rd and 24th goal of the season, which I don't know what the other players above him did, um, Tage Thompson or McDavid, but this puts him in third place as of right now, right after the Bruins game. He's third in goals in the league, and he has just been so good. I was looking and I was just looking like on his at his point streak and just ridiculous there's only I think there's only four games this season that he doesn't have at least one point (laughs) so it's just he's had he's been on a very very long point streak and it just continues he continues to find the back of the net um 
kind of in contrast to Marshawn, who I feel like is a is a bit snake bitten, but whereas Pasternak's getting the lucky bounces or getting, you know, things are settling, pucks settling for him, and he's just able to keep that point streak rolling. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's a it's a contract year for him. It, there's not a better time for him to be doing this, right? Um, on a personal level and on a team level, and yeah, he's just been lights out. And and you mentioned Marshan, and I guess that that is that's another aspect that makes this this twenty seven four and two record that much more impressive. Because if you were to tell me that that you know they're twenty seven 27, four and two, but Marshand is, he's not, he's not being, he's not producing like himself and McAvoy is not producing like himself. Like they're, they're, don't get me wrong. These guys are still heavy contributors to each and every win, uh, it, whether it's on the score sheet or off the score sheet, but we all know that they're not playing to their ceilings now because for one reason or another, and, and they're still playing this well. Yeah. You, I, I think you would probably have expected Marshawn to have more than nine goals through 25 games that, you know, since he's come back, you probably would have expected in the beginning that he would have more of those issues than, you know, 20 games in into coming back. So yeah, that has been something that was, it's, it's interesting to follow. They keep that line to, they've kept that line together most of the season with Marshawn Bergeron and DeBrusque. And once again, today they, they go um, check line with Zaka Krejci and Pasternak and that I thought was their best line of the night obviously the two goals from Pasternak but Zaka had a few really good defensive plays and and some setup passes Krejci's setup for Pasternak's goal was you know perfect um and not a pass that everybody can make and that there was a, a point in the first period that was probably the only like good shift the Bruins had in that first period was just this really long cycle shift for that second line where they just were moving things around and and I don't know I thought they brought it the full 60 minutes yeah they did and it was the um before them it was the it was the Bergeron line that got the got the uh the team tied at one which is a very important play obviously uh the Devils were up one nothing on a nice goal from from Hughes in the power play and they're kind of feeling themselves a little bit and off a face-off, DeBrus just kind of gets the puck to the net. Smart play, and Bergeron tips it in one-one. But you're right. After that point, that that combination of Zaka, Pasternak, and and Krejci were really good. Um, Zaka, by the way, got the opening face-off call uh, to start the game against against Eric Halla, who he was traded for. Um, so both guys got the nod against their former team to start the game at center. But um, it was kind of interesting because the uh, the second Pasternak goal, I think you alluded to it. The the backhand pass from Krejci through the, through the slot and then Pasternak just kind of toe-dragged it and uh, snapped it off. But what's interesting is... Yeah, um, DeBrusque made a joke after the game that, like, yeah, he's just going to tee that off. Like, the pa- yeah. pass was perfect and he's just going to tee that off. But what, what was funny, though, was on uh, on on, on Nesson, they were showing a replay of the goal from, like, from, like, um, the bo- from, like, Allmark's perspective, kind of, but obviously zoomed in. So, like, it was, like, at the back of the, of the Bruins. And... Um, it was funny because you just see your the, the only New Jersey player you saw was was Halla, and you literally see fifty six Halla, and he's and he's watching um, the guy <laughs> the guy he was traded for in Zaka, the guy who replaced him in Krejci uh, positionally at least, and then his former linemate Pashnak just combined for a goal. He's just he's just behind the play watching. It was kind of one of those like 
um, just funny moments based off of the offseason acquisitions and whatnot and, and transactions. But yeah, that yeah, one was really good. And Matt, Matt Porter had some reporting he, from the Boston Globe, had some reporting before the game that he saw Pasternak and Hala having a conversation and, and talking for a while um, before the game. And yeah, I think there was conversations that were had between Hala and some of the Bruins before the game. And then when you think about it, it's for the first time Zach is playing against his old team. And also Taylor Hall used to play for the devils as well. So, um, but of, of the Bruins players, I did think Hall had a pretty quiet night um, on the third line with, with Coyle and Frederick. Um, I thought Coyle had a decent game and he, on the save that Allmark made where he had to like dive back, maybe one like one of his best saves of the season where it trickles over him and then he puts the glove back and grabs it right on the goal line. Charlie Coyle's actually had his stick right behind it. So even if Allmark didn't grab it, he might've been able to tuck it under him from behind. But Coyle just has a re- like really smart hockey sense and, and good defensively, good on the penalty kill, like we've said a lot of times so far this season. But still... The second line had the biggest impact on the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, uh, the the third and fourth lines were relatively quiet. Um, but, you know, one thing, I, one thing I learned tonight watching this game, and again, the Bruins were on a second of a back-to-back with travel, so they weren't even in a position to be playing their best. Um, but one thing I learned watching this game was that New Jersey's New Jersey's a huge story, but they're not there yet. They're not there yet. Um, yeah, and they they had started to fall off slightly um, from where they were when they were right up on the Bruins' heels uh, a few weeks ago. So they have started to fall off a little bit there. I mean, Jack Hughes is great. He's an awesome, awesome young player. He's a, he's really fun to watch. Jes- Jesper Bratt had a really good game. He made a move on Carlo that made Carlo look silly. Like, Car- Carlo starts to, like, instead of trying to play the puck, starts to, like, retreat. And Bratt just, like, makes this really quick move to the inside. And I'm like, well, he made a few really nice moves. Um, and, you know, Miles Wood can be a pest. He can be a thorn in the Bruins side at times. Um, they're able to handle a lot of that um in this game and not make it look all that difficult yeah yeah it's I mean they have they have good players they do uh, a lot of them but they for, for me and and look they had a couple of guys out in the back end tonight I think uh, Ryan Graves was out and I think they had one of the defensemen that was out of the lineup too I can't remember who it was um and Andre Pilat is a guy who is going to help that lineup too when he's back and healthy so you know they're a good team um for sure I don't want to say that they're their place in the standings is a fluke because like you said, they have come back down to earth. They Yeah, they have. They went now they're in the league standings. Now they're down to five. And, and it's actually Carolina that's on on the yeah. Bruins tail right now. They're but there's Carolina's still back by six points, but um it's it's interesting that the way that the standings are right now where um four of the top five teams in the country are all from the Eastern Conference and 
it's Bruins, Carolina, Toronto, and then Vegas Devils. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's it's interesting to see. I, I I wonder if that's how it'll play out by the end of the season. And also, if you're looking at the Eastern Conference, it's as as it's set up right now. It's five teams from the Metro that are set to make the playoffs, and just three from um, the Atlantic with the Bruins, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, the only three teams that are set to make it from their division. So, and even still under the wild card, the next two teams are also Metro teams. So it's kind of the, the, the playoff structure. Obviously we still have a long way to go, but it, it's kind of weird as it is right now. Um, we'll, we'll see if the Bruins come back down to earth at, at some point as well, but it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, Omar only has one loss and then one, one tie. So, um, and they still haven't had a regulation loss at home and it's Christmas. So yeah, the, the, the fall off has not been there. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, you look at those standings in the East, like you mentioned, but like Carolina and Toronto are the two teams that are closest to Boston and they are, they're, uh, what are they? Six points and eight points back of the Bruins, respectively. But the Bruins also have games to hand on both of them. So, and th- those are those are the next closest teams. The Bruins have, you know, they have some major separation from even the second and third place teams. But yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of surprises in the Eastern Conference playoff picture, except for obviously um, the Panthers just being, you know, 34 points in the year. They're under 500. They're 15, six and four. Florida being. You know, they, they lost Tuberdeau, yeah, but they also lost a couple of key players. But, I mean, whatever. This is not a Panthers podcast, but obviously I'm just looking at the conference. It's That's the, that's the one major um, thing that seems out of place. Everybody else yeah, is it does. That, that is not what we would have predicted at all. Um, we did think they would have a bit of a step back, but not to the point where they're not only out of a playoff spot right now, they're four spots out of a, out of a wild card spot. So... Um, and, and another big difference I noticed is, uh, the Bruins on the Eastern conference side of things are plus 56 in goal differential. And the top team in the Western conference in goal differential is Dallas and they're plus 26. The Bruins are so much better right now in goal differential than any other team and credit, credit goaltending, but the defense has also been very strong but I think goaltending has been a huge reason for first of all the goal differential second of all the place in the standings um Allmark has just been impressive the whole year I saw someone behind the net today in in New Jersey um holding up a sign that said Allmark for Vesna um and there was actually a lot of Bruins fans in, in New Jersey. There was a let's go Bruins chant at, at one point during the game, which was kind of amusing, but um, yeah, all Mark still remains in first place in all of the, um, you know, the, the top three goaltending statistics. And I almost feel like we would have seen a drop off in goaltending before we saw like a drop off necessarily with like the Bruins in the standings or getting points but none of it's happened. Like you would think at this point in the season, a goalie would have gone through a stretch where, you know, things just didn't look as clean, but the focus has been there the whole season. The Bruins never seem to have that goalie though. They don't usually have that goalie who, who struggles 
that much over the course of a season because I think a lot no, of No, but I even just mean like I even just mean like a three game stretch of like okay, he's making some good saves, but some of them are are soft. Like that's not really what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's you know, it's it's uh all these things you mentioned, it's it's like you mentioned the differential. Um, the Bruins are like top three in just about every statistical category there is to have in the game of hockey. And it's just kind of like as awesome as it is to watch, it's it, it, it the only worrisome thing is like everything's going their way. It's it's almost like uh they're setting themselves up. If they don't win the cup, if if they lose, it's like there's gonna be that inevitable conversation. All oh, the Bruins choked. The Bruins choked because yeah. they could have won the, the hardest, they could they could have won the hardest trophy to win in sports. Um because and they had the, whatever, but the the thing is, it's not even just like the team accomplishments that have been like record setting at times. Um, but it's also there's a lot of individual milestones that have been that people are are chasing right now. And Debrest mentioned so after the game, he said a couple of guys are going for career highs um, with points, goals, what what have you. So th- this could be a season where guys just set their their best statistics um, of their career, and Pasternak could do that. Even DeBrusque, um probably on track to do that. Um, and Pasternak had another milestone today where he, he uh, tied Bobby Orr in goals for 10th all-time for a Bruin. So, like, you're seeing all these milestones and, and all of these potentials to set career highs um, from, from a lot of guys, especially top six guys. Yeah, I mean, pay him. Pay the man. I saw someone tweet. I saw someone tweet. All I want for Christmas is a Pasternak extension. So <laughs> I, gotta, I, gotta, I, I co-sign on that. That's all I want too. I think that's all anyone wants. It's uh, the longer this goes, it's just just please get this done. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't envision a Bruins team without without him going forward. It's um, I just can't. My mind can't go there. I don't to want tell to you to, to to tell you how important it is. Uh, my mom yelled down the stairs to me during one of the intermissions. Did they sign Pasternak yet? And she doesn't pay all that much attention, but she loves his outfits. And she said they can't lose him. He's he's the whole personality of the team. So she doesn't follow the games very closely, but she follows Pasternak and she likes to see all the outfits. And the fact that yep. she's yelling down at me like, hey, did they give him a contract yet? <laughs> a contract extension? And I'm like, nope <laughs> well i mean it, it uh i've said it, i've said it before too it's it's there's every single reason in the world to 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 make sure that he is he's uh locked up long term because on the ice obviously he's he's one of the best players in the world and he's gonna if he's in boston for his whole career he's gonna set offensive records for this team at least in goal scoring he will be um he's already you know, on a trajectory to to become their their leading goal scorer in franchise history if he plays another ten years at, at his current pace. So, which and is, if he signs, and if well, he'd have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but off the ice though, you, you said you said it was your, you said it was your grandma that, that commented. No, your, my mom. Your, 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 he's oh, your, your he's mom. my mom's favorite. <laughs> so, uh, to your mom's point, it's like um, he's the most marketable. Uh, player they have uh he's he's one of the more marketable players in the league so um there's also all, all that stuff too i mean the fashion the the sound bites the personality the charisma commercials all that stuff so 
Um, they have every reason to, to make sure he stays in, the, in a Bruins uniform. And um, we've talked about this before in the past. So I just, like I said, I can't, my mind can't even go to him not being on the team anymore, but uh, hopefully, hopefully that, that, uh, that gets done. Yeah. And, and to get back to the game, obviously those things are, are more long term and important. And um, hopefully it plays out. See, Scott was, even though he's not on with us, was like, oh, you know what could be a topic for us today? What's the Bruins' biggest gift of the season? Well, we're waiting. <laughs> we're waiting for it, it to be Pasternak signing, but I honestly don't think it's going to happen. Do you have one? Do you have one? after the season. Do I you mean, have a gift? I, I have go- one. Goaltending. <laughs> okay. That's good. I like that. Um, and that and that fortuitous bounce yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a that was a gift. Uh, that was a gift to the if, if I if I and again, tip the captains to to Scott for texting texting this to us, even though he he um he's you know he's he's by candlelight right now in Lowell. He's, he ghosted us though yeah. during the pod. He's gone. He's gone silent. Um, but to 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 answer his 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 prompt. I think the biggest gift for the Bruins this year is is Bergeron and Krejci coming back at the contracts that they signed, um, enabling them to to have this roster this year. To me, that's the biggest gift for this team is is getting your top two centers locked up um, under the cap at least at whatever it was two and a half million uh, combined. Um, obviously, it's it's bonus laden, and that's all going to come come up sooner than later. But that to me was their biggest gift this year. Uh, they, this team is in they're not the team that they are obviously without, without those two taking uh, pennies on the dollar to say the least. So. Yeah. And, and if you want to add in like the fact that Felino has come back to form um, and has, you know, his performances have gone up, he's playing the role they need him to play. That was something that we weren't sure was going to happen. But, you know, there's a few little things here and there. Um, the fact that everybody that had surgery recovered, um, and, and recovered, you know, fairly quickly. Grizzly came back early. Um, McAvoy and Marshawn, like we mentioned, they're not having their best seasons, but they by no means are, are they like struggling and, and they haven't faced any setbacks in terms of having to miss any time after that. So maybe injury bug hasn't bit yet. That's, you know, a gift, um, because that's something that's unpredictable and, you don't necessarily know, you know, Carlo missed a few games, Hall missed a few games, but really it, it's not been anything long-term. Uh, so that I guess is a gift as well. By the way, I just gotta, I gotta update uh, the listeners. Bridget, I, I'm afraid you might be losing the room uh, when it comes to, when it comes to Scott, um, because you mentioned that he goes to us, which, which we would think was the case, except he just responded and he said that his carbon <laughs> monoxide detector went off, so he, he had to call the fire department. And um, and uh, he said he's all good now, though, and uh, that it would have been a noisy podcast if he was on. So, oh my god, I'm sorry, he, Scott. I'm he sorry. Wasn't, he wasn't ghosting us. He was uh, he was dealing with the fire department. So, um, <laughs> I think I think Bridges losing the run with Scott, but uh, thank God. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. A, I take it back. I I'm take it back, coach, Scott. So I'll pull him aside and be like, hey, don't worry about it. You know. He, she, I was she, casting she, a lot of shade on him earlier. She, but... she's, she's just being hard on you because she knows what, you can, what you're capable of. Don't worry yeah, about it's because we have a high expectations for Scott. It's yeah. true. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Bridget, I think maybe we can talk about briefly. Um, the Because uh, there was uh, last night before the, the, the Jets game, uh, the Bruins, they tweeted out the um, that the 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 legal team that was was uh, conducting a um, what would you call it uh, an organizational investigation on yeah. on their uh, due diligence process uh, the vetting process of players and whatnot um, <laughs> they put out a statement that pretty much just said like um, they didn't find any uh, anybody any one person was at fault um and that they're that they're implementing a protocol going forward and that was kind of that it was there was a whole lot of nothing essentially yeah it, it was it, i mean honestly it came it came down a little quicker than i was expecting i kind of felt like we weren't gonna see this at least until some point um in in 2023 and yeah the the, the statement was brewing like the way that they put it was brewing strength and player vetting process following completion of independent review um and it it was kind of like vague and I don't really know what it what it does at the end of the day it almost feels like it came out and I almost forgot that it came out like even the day a day later but I um I did want to bring it up because it was it was kind of an a, a lot of nothing <laughs> And a lot of it is common sense, like establish clear written policies for vetting off-ice conduct, like including identifying red flags. It's like, were we not doing that already? Also, how about common sense? Um, yeah, it, it's just it, it. a lot of it. If you if you go through and read it, um, it's just basic common sense stuff. Right. Utilize independent third-party resources to investigate. How about just don't sign a guy who's publicly, uh, you know, known for something racist and you know, bullying and and whatnot. It's not that it's not that difficult. It, they they made it a lot more. I think it was more of a publicity stunt than anything to say we're going to investigate, and then it, it comes across as just kind of useless in the end they didn't find if they didn't find anyone accountable then what was the point like it wasn't intended to be a a real like oh we're gonna find who did this it was it ends up being okay this is what we're gonna do in the future how about no let's find out like who was responsible and and it it doesn't place blame in any way well yeah it it accomplished exactly what you said it was a it was a pr stunt It it was a pr move um because if they didn't do something like this to, to be like, Oh, we're being proactive to, to make a change. Um, we're going to, we're going to have somebody come in and take a look, help us take a look, a hard look in the mirror at ourselves. Um, if they didn't do that and they didn't do anything, then people would just, it would have been insane. People would have been like, how do you, how do you not, you know, find who's accountable. So what they did by doing this was, you know, they, they brought in a firm to, to basically say nobody was at fault, which is like, what? Okay. Um, so now there's, that's the justification for not firing anybody now because 
they found that nobody was at fault. And it's like, yeah, all right. So Which I guess that gives us our answer about like the culpability, like the, the punishment that Don Sweeney might face is it's pretty much tells us that he's, he's like safe. Yeah. Um, it, where it, at it, the it, time and that the week of it didn't feel that way. It felt like it could go either way, but now that things have settled down and the timing of it being far enough after, um, and the fact that they went about it this way and, and didn't want to blame individuals um, kind of shows you that he's probably going to get away with it scot-free. Um, and he has been out of the media's eye. He hasn't been available to talk to in a while. I don't know even when we will get a chance to talk to him. Um, but it kind of was a weird vibe because like, we would see him every once in a while and just like wondering – what the conversations were like behind the scenes um, with where he stood, what their, what their plan was for the investigation and anything like that. Well, he did. Um, he did go in front of the garden crowd at uh, for Bergeron's 1000th game ceremony. And I, I was half expecting him to be booed, but I don't think people wanted to ruin the moment. For, I think for that exactly, exactly. It was like, we don't want to come across as booing Bergeron. So like, they yeah. it, it didn't happen and it was also very quick like handshake hand you this i'm i'm gone i'm out of there um so yeah he he popped his face in for for a second for bergeron but um got out of there before he could face any booze and definitely didn't has not spoken to the media yeah look i, I think for me like um the whole Mitchell miller thing it's like you know i i never was one calling for uh you know, I, I, I wasn't necessarily calling for, for Sweeney or, or Neely's job. I, I uh, um, but I wouldn't have been surprised had something like that happened. But like, for me, it's like, I don't, I don't care if they're, if they're still here or not. Like, I just feel like there's a lack of honesty and, and, and accountability and humility on their part. Like um, Sweeney's, to my knowledge, Sweeney never spoke to the media post letting him go, right? Nope, like not, he's, no. he, he spoke to the media when they signed him. It was Neely, and Neely has been the only person yeah. that we've talked to. And the, and the most telling thing that Neely said, which I feel like was the one honest thing that like came out of that entire circus, was they essentially signed the kid because they didn't think that there was going to be fan backlash. They didn't, they didn't think people were going to care. That, that's, that, that's, what it came, that's what it comes down to. That's what this whole investigation probably would have, like there was there was no need for an investigation. I said it to you guys on the podcast when, when they announced that they were hiring a law firm. It's like there was what do you what are you trying to what are you trying to vet? Like like clearly like Don and and and, and Cam, they talked they talked to their guys, they talked to their scouts, they talked to whomever. They decided if a player's worth it. Like th- there's no mystery. They signed the kid because they didn't think that fans were gonna care that much because who knows why they thought that. But Neely pretty much said that. He's like, we didn't expect the backlash. That, that's what this all was. Um, that's what it all was. So you, no, no one was ever going to get fired. Um, I, feel like, I feel like 95% of people would have known this is what was going to happen. Like, what? it just feels oh. like a very high percentage of people would have known. He didn't take the right steps. He didn't show remorse. And that just means it's not time for 
him to, you know, get another chance. You're going to give someone a second chance. Well, they have to go through a certain process of showing that they, you know, tried to reform and he just didn't have any of that to, to, for them to stand on it. He didn't give them anything they could stand on and go, well, look at all this work he did and look at this. He, there was nothing. He, they pretty much uh, stepped out and just completely, in the open without any, any way to, to help themselves out in any sort of argument whatsoever. Yeah. The whole thing was just idiotic. Like just the, the, the signing itself, but like just how, how they didn't think that there was going to be backlash from like, you know, even out of market media, let's say, let's say Boston, Boston media and Boston fans did have their head in the sand on this one, which is like the most insulting thing to, to, to to imply to your fan base that you didn't think that people were going to care about about this but like a like, very like, educated like, fan base as well ho- like hockey, a lot of oh yeah exactly very educated like hockey media would have like hockey media would have taken it to that level anyway so it's just toronto it's, you know oh, toronto God. media would have been all over it if, it if just so dumb. i mean everybody was it was very clear bad decision Sometimes I wonder, like, who was who was sitting in in the room, going, like, shouldn't they have had one person in the room going, guys, no, <laughs> just don't, just like, let's not do this. Well, there there was some backlash. I mean, um, I shouldn't say backlash. Pushback. There, were, there was some pushback. Thank you. Um, I think I think Sweeney did say that. And look, for all we know, maybe that was maybe that guy was Sweeney. Like, maybe Sweeney was the guy that pushed back, and maybe it was Cam that wanted him. Who who honestly, who knows? Um. But I do remember Sweeney saying that not everybody was for it in New York with the new organization. Or I'm sorry, maybe Cam said that. Maybe yeah, it Cam was Cam that. because, like, like I said, we haven't talked yeah. to Sweeney. Yeah. So, um, continues to be the like you know the only dark cloud this season, um, and we, we're only talking about it now just because they once again just put up a stupid post about it, and it's just like again condescending. It's like you think we actually think you guys had any intention on firing anybody or finding out exactly what happened? Come on, it's just it's just it's a PR stunt. But um. And the other reason that people were pissed off about it at the time was like, it it was a dumb off ice move. It was a dumb move from a morality standpoint, but it it also became a massive distraction or could have been a massive distraction to a team that was off to the start that they are and haven't slowed down since then, by the way. And it's like, now you're, now your stupidity could be affecting the on ice product because of, so the, there was a bunch of reasons to be mad at the team over that. Um, but I guess now uh, Scott mentioned, I think Scott, or you mentioned like a month ago that once they come out with the results of this, that it would finally put it to bed, I suppose. But I don't, I don't think the media well, is going to put it to bed. It won't because Sweeney hasn't talked. Talk about it. Yeah. Sweeney hasn't talked. They're going to, as soon as he steps back out at some point to talk, it's the first thing that's going to be asked. And it's pretty much the only thing that's going to be asked. That and Pasenak extension, it's, that's what it is. It's not, and it kind of, it sucks for him because look at where the Bruins are right now. Like usually this would be a time for the GM to take credit for like the fact that the team he put together is, you know, the best team they've ever had and the best team in the league. And he has just gotten no chance to, to take credit for it because of all the other things um that are looming including the Mitchell Miller thing and, and the Pasenak extension thing because people are worried about other things rather than thinking like oh wow so the move for Olmark was actually a good move and the move for Felino and the move for Forbert looks better and like there's and and the decision to trade 
Hala for Zaka, like just all the things that he, he was able to pull off, like getting Bergeron and Krejci to come back as well. Like Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall, like, like Lindholm, yeah, Lindholm at the Lindholm. deadline last year in an extension, yeah. and like all these other positive things, but just shot himself in the foot with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, his, his his fingerprints. Look, you, you can you can talk all you want about, uh, yeah their prospect pool and and I think I think they're uh, ranked 20 I think they're 27th or 28th out of 32 teams um uh Craig Button of TSN and and uh uh Chris Creamer who we had on um a little while ago like a year and a half ago uh big draft expert and, and prospect expert they they put together like a, a very in-depth analysis of all all the team's prospects um under the age of like 24 or something like that and the Bruins are I want to say 27th or 28th or something, but uh, as were a lot of the other top teams in the standings currently, they were also yeah the because they're the trading list, that, away first yeah. round picks. They're they're not they're buyers at the deadline, right. not exactly. sellers, so they're not accumulating picks and not accumulating prospects. Now I will say, like, there's been a the, the Bruins have had a long time to try to identify at least one solid centerized prospect. Um, but again, look, it's it's. Take all that stuff aside. If you look at the NHL roster, Sweeney has his fingerprints all over this team, and in a good way. Uh, you you just list off a bunch of players, and um, he does deserve credit for that. And, and if the team wins the Stanley Cup this year, it's <laughs> I mean, he's one of the he first. He still get booed. <laughs> yeah, but but he but you're right. He can't stop stepping on his tail at times. So, um, you know, hopefully, like I I don't I don't intend on talking about this ever again until or unless somebody talks about it in a media scrum and it becomes a story again, but I don't have any more time for this Mitch Miller story. It's, 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 it's what it is. Um, but it's kind of like on just um, a storm that was weathered for the, from like a player standpoint, like they, they've been able to weather the injuries early on. They were able to weather this shit show of PR like disasters and having to answer questions and, and talk about like, Oh, you know, this isn't this doesn't match with our character, our locker room. Um, they've weathered they've weathered a few different storms already this season. And um, I guess you can see that they're they're pretty locked in and distractions have not really um affected them as of now. I mean they, there was a situation earlier in, in the year too where um, you know, Stanika gets traded mid-game and it was kind of like a weird uh, kind of a weird vibe to that. So there's been just random things here and there that that they've dealt with and gotten through. Yeah. Yep. The only thing um, I, I honestly don't even want to say it, but the, the only thing that could really derail this team would be, you know, obviously some some pretty some pretty key injuries. But other than that, like they've they they I don't see them having an issue facing whatever is thrown their way uh, and. A lot of that's because of the depth and the coaching and the leadership and all that stuff. Uh, everything's going their way. And is that going to continue all year? No, but like when the Bruins go through a slump, it'll probably be a 500 stretch for like a few weeks, as opposed to other teams that go like, you know, oh, oh, four and two, the Bruins will go three, three and one or something like that, you know? So um, again, for me, it's just about stay healthy, keep collecting the points and just make sure that when you, when you round that corner, in about February, start looking towards the playoffs, gear up, 
gear up towards towards how you want to be as a team in the postseason. But until then, it's just it's just been a lot of fun to cover this team. Um, you know, so so they go away for uh, they go home for Christmas, and then you, we talked about it earlier. You have Ottawa, then you have Jersey again, Buffalo, and then you have the Winter Classic uh, against the Penguins, and then um, they go out west. And for, by the way, keep an eye on the weather um, because they like ten day forecast tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, should have somewhat of a judgment on what I, I think it will go to the first. But um, as of right now, we know that the two days before the Winter Classic are supposed to be in the 50s and the day before is supposed to rain. Um, so just keep checking in on the forecast, see see how that that turns out I'm not sure what they can do with the ice if it's in the 50s it, the day before is supposed to be 58 <laughs> so that, like that's not that's not skatable conditions um and we're actually supposed to have a media skate on New Year's Eve that um I've been looking forward to for a while and I'm like oh no I hope the ice is okay for us to go on it um but yeah, that's the one, the the variable for the Winter Classic. You never know. You, it could be freezing cold. It could be snowing. It could be raining. It could be 55 degrees out. Like, it, it's looking more like it's going to be a warm day um, as of right now. So, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, it could end up being like that avalanche Golden Knights game in Lake Tahoe when the uh, the sun was like, remember the, the ice turned into slush for that game? So they, yeah. they, like, they like pushed the Bruins game back like to the, a later time the following day because the, the sun was too strong. I can I can see that ha- happening again too. Like if it takes until later in the day for for that to be the ice to get settled because um, it's supposed to be a two p.m. start. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have have fifty degree weather if they try to move it back towards like a few hours after the sun goes down, maybe like six or seven o'clock start. Um, so yeah, if you have tickets, just keep an eye. It'll be, I can tell you one thing. It, it, it can't be colder than the last one uh, that the Bruins had, which was against the Canadians at Gillette, which I went to and I froze. And like our tailgate was the most miserable tailgate of all times. <laughs> I couldn't, it wasn't even warm enough to cook steak. So I think it's going to be better conditions, hopefully, than that. Um, but I am keeping a very close eye on it. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be a fun day regardless. I'm sure everybody will have a great time. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to go over, Bridget, before we uh, call it a night? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, Scott, yeah. hope your power comes back on. Yeah, poor Scott. Um <laughs> only scott that would happen to literally about to record and then five minutes before like five, five minutes, minutes before where i was like i'm sending the link and he's like i lost power <laughs> all right well uh that'll wrap it up for us tonight um bruins defeat the uh yes you want you guys something to say merry christmas that was oh, just, exactly merry, merry christmas <laughs> happy chrysler <laughs> all right thank you all for listening we'll talk soon mm-hmm.